This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I think uh, Mr. Bernardo should rot in hell, and until that day comes, he should rot in a jail cell. It should be in a maximum security uh, prison. It's universal. The hate is real. There are, I think, ones of people that maybe have a difference of opinion when it comes to Bernardo, but not many. Nonetheless, he's been a big headline this week, and hopefully next week we'll be giving you the headline that he has been sent back to where he belongs. Let me bring in John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association, because we bring in John every Thursday to go through these headlines. Good to have you, John. Hey, good morning, Alex. Thank you for having me today. What was your reaction when you saw, I mean, the story broke late Friday, and that's done by purpose so that we won't find out, but it was done obviously very quietly, and it was done all in secret, because that's how we do things. But what was your initial um, reaction when you saw that he was being moved? I, I was stunned. Um, you know, I, I think, as you said uh, earlier, anybody that's familiar with that case would expect nothing less than him to be placed into that cell in a maximum security facility and stay there for the rest of his life at a minimum. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's got a dangerous offender um, designation, so there's no end uh, of when he serves jail. Like He's not the kind of person that would get even a parole date. Um, that is at the discretion, I guess, of the parole board. And, and so this is one of those cases where I think I never thought really in my lifetime. I was like, uh, how old was I when I was, you know, 18 living in Hamilton? It was terrifying uh, during that period. Um, of time as we go back. But I never really thought, okay, this is the one case we won't have to worry about. And you get a lot of people saying, well, at least he's still in medium. So don't worry about it. That's not, I'm not worried about him escaping. The concern I think is that we're, we're normalizing the preparation that he could some, at some point be released. What do you, what do you feel, uh, John, the, the chances that let's say maybe 10, 15 years, maybe he's getting day passes. I mean, maybe it's sooner, but you know, that, that's where my mind goes, is that they're prepping him for something. Well, I, I think your mind, everyone's mind, I think that's a big, big concern of everybody right now, is if somehow Corrections Canada is looking at this individual as a possible candidate for some kind of rehabilitation. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I, my point would be absolutely not. What this individual did um, is, is absolutely heinous. And yeah. it was beyond anything I think we've seen, you know, across Canada over the last probably... You know, 40, 50 years, we've had some other serial killers, but this one particularly struck, I think, a chord here in Ontario. And anybody, I think, with any common sense uh, would feel this individual deserves to be in maximum security, in a cell for the rest of his life without any chance. And it also goes to the families, too. For this to mm -hmm. occur, again, the, the, the pain and anguish this brings up again with these families, it's not fair. And once again, we are putting uh, the rights of an individual of a convicted criminal, a murderer, ahead of a of families, and it's just not right. Yeah, and to your point on common sense, we just don't have any anymore, and this is a concern. And also, you know, I talked to Rodney Stafford. He found out nine months after the fact that his kids' killers were in, uh, you know, healing lodge and in medium security, only six years into their sentence. And then, you know, I had a woman on yesterday. You know, they're fighting for basic 
you know, rights for their loved ones who they think that they're getting justice for. And then, you know, we learn time and time again, this actually happens quite a bit. Um, and, and so your organization led the charge, the uh, Toronto Police Association certainly got um, uh, support because the Association of Chiefs of Police also issued a statement. But you guys were calling on the feds to to reverse the Bernardo decision. And you got, you got Marco Mendicino, former Crown Attorney, and he's given this, oh my God, I'm shocked. I don't, a, how did he not know? B, they're doing a review. And I'm thinking that when this happened with Carla, remember when she was caught having uh, birthday or panty parties overnight with her minimum security uh, sex offender friends? I mean, that, that thing was reversed. Lawrence McCauley had her sent back to a maximum security psych ward. Um, this minister could and I think should have already reversed this. I totally agree with you. And I think the minister, the prime minister, they should be all over this. This is, I think, a situation where the general public here in Canada, they hear it, but they don't believe it, right? They, they should not be taken Canada. Um, people need to feel safe. They need to know that if somebody commits a crime and they're sentenced uh, to a term of imprisonment, as this individual was, uh, which is indefinite, they need to know they're going to stay there. You know, the families, the um, general public don't need to worry about this individual somehow, some way being released back into society. There's no place for him in society. No, none. But, you know, yet we made this deal with the devil and uh, Carla Hamolka's out there with kids and a husband and God knows what he sees in her. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know where this is going. But, John, I mean, if something hasn't happened by next week, um, then we know um, restorative justice is in, in store for this guy. And I, I honestly, I, I, I can't even think, even a day passed for this guy. I just don't want him to have any comforts. I don't care if he rots in, in maximum security. I think that's how most people, you know, see this. And if you can't do this for the worst of the worst, then no wonder everyone else is getting out. Yeah, and, and to your point, you know, the rights of victims and families should not come at the cost of the the rights of an accused who's being convicted of a criminal i know but but really we we i think as a society uh, the justice system has to take a hard look at this and really look at what is reasonable and what is fair what are the people here in toronto in ontario across canada what do they expect in the justice system you know what do they expect the justice system to do and i think Mm -hmm. ultimately it's for people if they commit a crime they're sentenced to a fair sentence but also in the larger piece, that they are protecting general society in general. You would think, John, you would think, but we uh, seem to be moving further uh, and further away. Um, TPA, so Toronto Police Association, sending a letter off to the top seven candidates asking for the position on public safety and policing. And you did get responses from everyone except, of course, the front runner, Olivia Chow and Mitzi Hunter. And so Olivia Chow wants to be the mayor of the city, and she's seemingly walking into the job with no pressure. Her policing positions, do you have any clarity on this? Uh, We have zero. And I think the reality is I just want to be clear that we don't endorse any particular candidate. What we're looking for Mm -hmm. is going to be there that's going to come, be very supportive of public safety here in Toronto, um, support our women, men and women, support the citizens and make sure they're safe. And that's why we actually reached out because we wanted to know what their platforms are from these candidates. And Mm -hmm. we received platforms back. We're going to be posting those as well for information for our membership, but also for the general public. So they understand what this mayor is promising to bring. But I think when you have uh, candidates that are unwilling um, for whatever reason to actually put an agenda forward, that's concerning Mm -hmm. to us as an organization because, you know, not having a plan, no plan, is no good. You cannot have that right. in a major. I don't, you know, we need a yeah, plan. And, moving and, 
Yep. Oops, sorry. Yeah, you're you're cutting out on me just a little bit, so I'm stepping on you, and I apologize. But the, the, it's a very consequential election, not just in finances and fixing the city, but depending on where we go with this and what candidate, we're either going to stay down the same road and and cut back on police and go more defund and um, you know continue expanding safe injection, or we're going to correct and start getting order and law and safety and all these other things prioritized. And so. Is there a candidate that concerns you? I know you guys don't endorse, but are the you know are the concerns that you have about some of the positions? I, I think any candidate that is not going to be supportive of police and public safety is concerning, and I think anyone, any citizen here in Toronto, should be uh, very aware of that and take that into consideration as far as. Um, who they're going to vote for, because ultimately it's going to be that candidate that's, that's going to be one of the driving pieces towards protecting people day in, day out on the subway to avoid these random acts of violence. Now, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, it's not good, but the whole idea is to actually try and at least bring some sense of normalcy back to the city, some sense of safety where people are actually comfortable taking the TTC once again, because right now a lot of people aren't. Well, why would you? I mean, it's like, you you know, my, my friend's in town and she's like, can I take the subway here? And I'm like, well, you just, you got to be mindful. And it's just like, we never had to do that before. Like, it was just not, it was a non-starter. And, and this is what it's turned into. And did, did you get clarification from either Olivia Chow and Mitzi Hunter as to why they didn't respond? Zero. Absolutely nothing at all, which is very concerning to me because then I wonder, do they even have a platform? Yeah. Well, look, Olivia Chow's not being challenged on anything. And I put her in the defund crowd because she has talked about it before. And my concern is we're going to continue down that road. I mean, there are consequences to the decisions. We just can't afford, I think, to lose anybody. That that doesn't mean I don't think that policing can change and evolve and, and um, you know, reflect other things. But we can't have less police. Totally agree with you. In fact, we, we still need more police officers. Right now, we're still struggling to answer the radio calls. You know, the yeah. fact that the an independent body says it's taking us up to 20 minutes to answer a 911 call is not acceptable to our members and it's not acceptable no. to the Toronto. Yeah, and you get blamed for it anyway. So, uh, you know, it's not people die or people can't, or they, eventually they just don't call. Uh, look, John, I'm out of time, but again, we talk, there's always so many headlines, so we'll get to them. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye bye. That is John Reed joins us on Thursdays to talk about the big policing and uh, law and order issues. A little bit of a, I guess, cutouts. Sometimes they're a bit annoying, so I apologize for that.